Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us how sin and unrighteousness in a person's life can make them fearful and anxious. This message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org. Now, here's some highlights from yesterday's message. You know what Eve would say to us if she came here today and she would, and we would be discussing her? She would say, look, you are just one bad decision away. And he analyzes each one of us and he watches for the area of our weakness like he found it with Eve in her eyes. Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah, put it really well when he said in Lamentations 3.51, mine eye affecteth mine heart. Now here's Tom Cantor as he continues teaching us from Genesis chapter 3 in our Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday Genesis series. When our hearts are, have a friendship with God, we have life because we are connected to the life giver. But when our heart goes away from God, then we go into darkness and death. So he said, whatever you do, whatever it is that could take your heart away from God, get rid of it because keep your heart with all diligence because that's where your life comes from. Job also had this problem and he told us exactly what what he had to do to get a grip on this problem in Job 31.1. He said, I, this is Job speaking, I made a covenant with mine eyes. He said, I made an agreement with mine eyes. He said, I, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Can't you imagine this with Job? Can you just picture the situation? Here's Job. He's sitting down. He's sitting down here and his eyes are over here. It's like he takes his eyes out and he says to them, now you and I are going to have an agreement. You and I are going to come to an agreement and I'm going to set a guard because I am not going to allow you eyes to feed my mind to fantasize about some woman. That's what he was saying. Why then, he said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? He realized that from the eye gate comes the flooding, sweeping away of the fantasies. And so he says, I got an agreement with my eyes. Like that, he says, discipline, guard. Now, Job understood something. He said also in in Job 15, 12, he said, why doth thine heart Carry thee away. See, that's the tsunami. That's the flood that comes in. Thine heart just carries thee away. And all of a sudden, when the heart becomes engaged and you feel like you have no strength at all and you're just carried away. That's what he said. Why doth thine heart carry thee away? And what do thy eyes wink at? See, he's asking that question. It's a good question. Job 31, 7. If my step hath turned out of the way and my heart walked after mine eyes. Isn't that interesting? He says, my heart will just come like an obedient puppy dog, just being led by the eyes. That's what he's saying here. If my heart has turned out of the way and my heart just goes walking after mine eyes. Job understood that if he decided to sit down there on the quarter and just watch all the girls go by, that his heart was going to be like a little puppy dog on a leash and his eyes would be pulling that puppy dog along wherever the eyes went. And he said, I don't want to be led by my eyes. 
I want to be led by my heart. So we're going to break this relationship right now. And we're going to do this, as he said, by controlling the eyes. I don't want to be a little puppy dog pulled along by lust. Turn to Proverbs 4, 25 through 27. It's a very interesting passage. It has a lot of memory for me, and I'll explain to you in a minute. This passage says, let thine eyes look right on, and let thine eyelids look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet, and let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, nor to the left Remove thy foot from evil. You know, in the 1970s, I used to love to go down to San Diego Hardware. And those of you who remember, San Diego Hardware used to be at 845th Avenue. And it was just a great place, San Diego Hardware. You can find anything you wanted. And it was uh, any kind of a knob and any kind of a latch and any kind of a screw. And it had these old wooden floors in there. And there was the basement. And, and it was just a great place. Well, the problem was, is that in 1970, San Diego was still very much a sailor town. And they were, there were some raunchy, pornographic houses down there. And so one time I took my two boys, David and Joseph, down there, and they were about eight or nine, and we couldn't park near the store like we wanted to, and so we had to walk, and we had to walk by those raunchy places. So before I got out of the car, I said to my boys, I said, boys, I said, I want you to listen to what God says from the Bible. Got my Bible out, and I read that part, and I said, now, boys... We're going to be passing by some bad places. And I know that you're going to be like me, and I don't want you looking in those doors, and I don't want you trying to see behind those drapes, because as we walk down Fifth Avenue by those bad places, I wanted you to do exactly what the Bible says here. Let thine eyes look straight before thee. Ponder the path of thy feet. Think about it, boys. Let all thy ways be established. Turn not to the right hand, not to the right hand, boys, not to the left hand, boys. Remove thy foot from evil. Good advice Solomon gives us, and who could better give us the advice than Solomon who fell in that very area himself? Now, after the fall, God, we, we, we focus now on God because now both Adam and Eve are ruined, ruined. They have ruined their friendship with God. They have broken their friendship with God. They have separated themselves from God. They have alienated themselves from God. They have cut off their relationship with God. And that's ruin. That's ruin for them. That's ruin for anyone to be alienated from God. That's the worst ruin, to be separated from God. Nothing worse. And so what do we see them do? Quickly, quickly, they're sewing together these pathetic-looking fig leaves, and they're hiding behind trees. I mean, there's no, there's, there's, there's no lack of activity here. I mean, we can picture Adam saying to Eve, Eve, quick, give me a leaf. Sew, 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 make, make, make. See how it is. Quick, aprons of fig leaves. Now let's go hiding from God. Now, in that state, what do we see? We see, because we already see, this is what we see with Adam and Eve. But the real question is, what do we see with God? What do we see with God? What we see with God is he's walking towards them in verse 8. And, and God is calling at them in verse 9. And that picture of God 
walking or coming and calling. That's God. That's who God is. God is a coming God. God is a calling God. He comes. He calls after man that has ruined himself. And that's what sets the truth apart from error. The truth is, is that God reaches down from heaven out to a fallen, pathetic man. And verses 8 and 9, that tells us who God really is. He's the God who calls. He's the God who comes. And that's how the Bible reveals who God is. He's coming to man. He's calling to man. But on the other hand, false or error is man's religions, which paint a totally different picture. The picture that man's religion paints is of man reaching up to God, of man coming and throwing money into a box and clapping his hands to try to wake up God, of man trying to do all these good works, all these traditions, all these uh, laws, 613 laws, all of them to try to reach up, reach up, reach up to God. Same, uh, that's religion, that's error, that's religion where man is reaching out and coming and calling to God. Now what does this mean? The truth is God loves man. And God cares that man has fallen to sin. And God is seeking to save man. All man has to do is just come to God on God's terms. That's the key. On God's terms. You know, Barbara Walters just recently did a two-hour TV special. Well, it was just aired recently. It's been done before. She interviewed Buddhist, Hinduist, Jews, Mormons, evangelicals, atheists, all over the world. She even went to the Dalai Lama to interview him. And to all these people, she came with one question. What was the question? Heaven, where is it? Heaven, how do I get there? How do we get there? That was her questions. Heaven, where is it? Heaven, how do we get there? And she kept saying, as she was explaining to the people that she was interviewing, I'm a Jew. I had no spiritual education. I do not believe in Jesus Christ. How does a Jew like me get to heaven? She's really asking that. How do I get to heaven? And Barbara Walters was asked, if there is a heaven, do you expect to go there? In other words, she was posed this question. Barbara Walters, if there is a heaven, do you expect to go there? And she said this, although I myself don't go to church or synagogue, I do, whether it's superstition or whatever, pray every time I get on an airplane. I just automatically do it, she said. I say the same thing every time. I say, dear God, thank you for all my blessings. Thank you for everything that I have in my life. Take care of my family and make this a safe trip. And she says, because I feel if I don't, I'm in danger. Isn't that interesting? 
Barbara Walters admits that she knows nothing about God. Barbara Walters, with all of her A-plus education, with all of her A-plus fame, with all of her A-plus fortune and achievements in life, Barbara Walters admits that when it comes to knowing God or having friendship with God and knowing for sure that she's going to heaven, her grade is F minus. She knows she doesn't know, but she seems to really want to know. So what's the problem? On the TV special, she keeps asking in a roundabout ways all the people the same question, where, where is heaven? And really she's saying, and how can I get to heaven? And even though Barbara Walters has no idea who God is, has zero friendship with God, zero relationship, yet Barbara Walters prays regularly before any trip because as she put it, because I feel if I don't, I'm in danger. And Barbara Walters is no fool. She knows her time is running out when she will take that final trip from this world, and she wants to go to heaven. So Barbara Walters wants to know God. She wants to be in God's good favor. She wants to know that she's gonna be in God's home forever, heaven. She wants to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that there's nothing to worry about when she breathes her last breath because she's going to heaven. She wants to know. So. In verse 8 and 9 of Genesis 3, we see God is the one who is coming, who is reaching, and who is calling to man. And we see Barbara Walters wanting to reach God. What's the problem? What is the problem? God wants to find Barbara Walters. Why can't Barbara Walters find God? God wants Barbara Walters to know him and for them to be friends. Why doesn't Barbara Walters know God? Why aren't Barbara Walters and God friends? God wants Barbara Walters to know that where heaven is or that there is a heaven, he wants her to have a full assurance that she's going to heaven. Why doesn't Barbara Walters know that she's going to heaven and have that assurance when she dies. Why do we see this heartbreaking picture of a lost Jewish woman, a dear person, Barbara Walters, who has everything, but she has nothing because she doesn't have God and she doesn't have heaven. And her soul is crying out and it breaks your heart as she cries out into the darkness for help. So the question is, how does man find God? Man does not find God on man's terms. It won't happen. Man does not find God on man's terms. Man finds God on God's terms. Now, what are God's terms? Well, there are steps for man to find God. And step one is given to us in verse nine. That is the where art thou, or where art thou, mirror step. No one is saved and finds God without the where art thou mirror step. This is the look at yourself in the mirror and see where you are step. In Revelation 3.17, 
Very important verse if you like to turn. Revelation 3.17, it says this. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. If anyone comes to God on his own terms and says the first part of that verse 17, God I just would like you to know that I am rich, increased with goods, and have need of nothing. That's the end. That's the end of the meeting. Tom, today you brought up Barbara Walters. And I like Barbara Walters and some of the specials that she's had. And it's hard for me sometimes to listen to Barbara on her specials where she has questions about God and heaven and then realize that she's really asking for herself. Now, how is Barbara Walters like many people out there today? I mean, that's, I think, what, why many people are drawn to Barbara Walters, because they can identify with her. Because she's really, uh, when she did her special on, uh, on God in heaven, she's really verbalizing what a lot of people are asking, a lot of people are feeling, a lot of people are thinking. And one of the things which came out very, very loud and clear from the questions is, a certain uh, underlying lack of peace about the future, about her future, about the future, especially about the future after death. And, you know, the Bible is not uh, silent about this issue. Uh, the, uh, in Isaiah 57, 20 through 21, it speaks about the what it what happens when there is no rest it speaks like this it says the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest see it doesn't say it will not rest it says it cannot it does not have the ability to rest whose waters cast up mire and dirt there is no peace saith my god to the wicked now someone might reading this and, and, and say to themselves well I don't feel wicked. Wicked people are in prison. Wicked people are are terrible people. I'm not wicked, but that's not what God says. God looks at all and says, all have sinned, and a sinner is a wicked person. And so we have to take the, the label that God has given to us. And so what comes along with the package of wickedness is an inability to rest, is a state of no peace. But The Lord Jesus Christ came to give us rest. He came to give us peace. And he said that in Matthew 11, 28, when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heaven laden, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. In other words, he's saying, his, his heart of compassion as God, his heart of love as God, looks and says, I feel the burden of your labor. I feel your state of no peace. I feel that you cannot rest. And so he said, I have come to give you peace. I have come to give you rest. But what's very, very important about that verse in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 is he says, come unto me. 
and I will give you rest. There is no rest apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no peace apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no rest in other religions. There's no rest in meditation. There's no rest in sitting in yoga positions. There's no peace apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why he said, come unto me, and I'll give you rest. He said in John 14, 27, Peace I live leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, what he's saying here is he's saying, I have peace to give you, but you have to come to me to get that peace. I have peace to give you, but it's my peace. It's the peace of God. And he says, I will give it to you as a gift. And it's not the same as the, what the world calls peace. The world says, well, come to Las Vegas and, and, uh, and, and be pampered and enjoy it, and that'll be peace. That's what the world gives. What kind of peace is that? Temporary, a peace that only lasts for a short period of time, a peace which is breakable, a peace which goes away in an instant. He says, that's not the kind of peace that I give. When I give you my peace, it stays with you forever. It's an eternal peace. It's a peace with God, which is the main reason why we do not have peace and rest in our souls, because we cannot have peace. We cannot have rest until we're reconciled with God, until we have friendship with God. So therefore, Since he came to bring us reconciliation with God, to bring us friendship with God, therefore he gives us his peace. And so this is very, very important. You know, there's a psalm that everybody knows Psalm 23. Everybody knows Psalm 23. Many, many people can can recite Psalm 23, even though they don't have friendship with God, even though they don't know God. But yet they can, when they jump into a foxhole of life and they're really in trouble, they can say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still water. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemy. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Do you know The majority of people who know that psalm, who recite that psalm, are really saying, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. And they could say, they would really, they're really saying from Psalm 23 was, I wish the Lord was my shepherd. I wish that he would lead me beside still waters. I wish that he would restore my soul. I wish that he would lead me in the paths of righteousness. I wish that I could have no fear of evil when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I wish that he was with me. I wish that he would anoint my head with oil and my cup would run over. And oh, how I wish that surely goodness and mercy would follow me all the days of my life. And with all my heart, I wish I could dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, it's really when they're saying it, they're wishing it, they're hoping it, they're desiring it, but they don't have it because the one simple phrase, for thou art with me. 
That's the one simple phrase in verse 4 of Psalm 23 that they don't have. But you see, they can have it because that's where the Lord Jesus Christ comes because they can have it if they'll say, I know who God is. He is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's when the letter reaches the destination. That's when God responds and said, I heard you because you called on my name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's why he came as a Savior to be received. It says he came unto his own and his own received him not in John 1 11. But as many as received him to them gave he the power, etc. He came to be received. He, he, we come to him to receive him, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ as God and a Savior. And when that happens, then he comes within the heart. Then that key, key phrase in the very heart and center of Psalm 23, for thou art with me, becomes a reality. And when that becomes a reality, then Psalm 23 is no longer, I wish, I hope, oh, how I desire, but it becomes a confession of the heart because as the Lord Jesus Christ is dwelling in the heart, then the believer says, I know, not I wish, but I know the Lord is my shepherd. I know that he leads me beside stilled waters. I know that no, I, that I have no fear of evil, even though I walk through the shadow of death. I know that he anoints my head with oil. I know that my cup is running over. And most of all, and this is what gives all the peace in the world, gives all the rest in the world, gives the answer to all of these questions, when a person can say, because he has received the Lord Jesus Christ, I know I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's the key to receive the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for joining us today. Now, do you know what the prophecy and fulfillments are of the Lord Jesus Christ in Scripture? Tom Cantor's written a book called The Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Jewish Messiah. You can learn what those scriptures are in the Old Testament and New Testament in this wonderful book of over 70 pages. You can get a copy by calling us today at 1-800-247-3051. That's 1-800-247-3051 to get your copy of the Prophecy and Fulfillments of the Lord Jesus Christ today from Tom Cantor. 1-800-247-3051. You'll really enjoy this book. Go to Friendship with God to learn more. Thanks for listening. And join us again tomorrow at this same time.